Hello and welcome to What's the Story Ghost. I'm your host, Annette. And I'm Stephen. And <laughs> getting more and more game show hosts as we go on. I, I love it. I, I do I, love it. That's Mike was further away than I am. I was trying to <laughs> speak up to that anyway. That's okay, that's okay. Today we are on episode 41 and we are going to cover the Salem Witch Trials. Alright. <laughs> it's not what you think though, it's not because of the witch. Nothing to do with witches. Yeah, but um, you'll, you'll know by the end of it it's why. It's like Salem just... Sandwich Trial. We crack I'm breeze over my sandwich joke. <laughs> no, I didn't hear your sandwich joke, sorry. It's the Salem Sandwich Trials. Oh, Don't do dare is that? Oh, witch! Oh, okay. And um, today we're on episode 41. <laughs> uh, we crack on? Crackity crackity. Okay. I have a question for all our US listeners. The Salem Witch Trials, is that a subject taught in every state or primarily in schools in Massachusetts and lighter learned subjects outside of that state? The reason I ask is I feel the further away from Massachusetts we are, unless we took an interest in the subject, we grew up learning very little about the Salem Witch Trials. Or only what we learned from movies and TV and we all know Stevie the TV lies sometimes. I don't know why I grew up thinking the trials took hundreds of lives. I imagined a conveyor belt of people just being accused and killed, accused and killed, accused and killed. What happened was actually so much worse. Yes, it was fewer people, but actual trials were held. And I know you're thinking, but Annette, it's called the Salem Witch Trials, but you guys also have Minnesota salads that aren't really salads, so... Anyway. For those of us that grew up knowing very little about the Salem Witch Trials, let's recap real quick. The Salem Witch Trials were a series of hearings and prosecutions of people accused of witchcraft in colonial Massachusetts between February 1692 and May 1693. Their justice system valued repentance over truth, paranoia about the supernatural, and misdirected religious passion. What do you do? It's impossible to prove your innocence. If you insist that you are, you'll likely be found guilty anyway and executed. If you confess, repent, and push others in front of the bus for good measure, you'll go free. More than 200 people were accused, 30 found guilty, 19 of whom were executed by hanging, 14 women and five men, and one other man, Giles Corey. I'm not claustrophobic, but that poor man was pressed to death for refusing to plead, and at least five other people died in jail. But to understand how they met their end, let's go back to the beginning. But please understand, what I put into this episode is nothing compared to what I left out. In 1641, the Puritan Legal Code was created and established a hierarchy of crimes. Starting with the worst, the list goes idolatry, witchcraft, blasphemy, murder, poisoning and bestiality. Puritan legal code considered the worship of idols, the practice of magic and the taking of the Lord's name in vain to be far worse than the unlawful, premeditated killing of one human by another. In January 1692, two young girls, Elizabeth Paris or Betty, who was nine years old, and Abigail Williams, who was 11 years old, began exhibiting strange behavior. Betty was the daughter, and Abigail the niece of Reverend Samuel Paris, the first ordained minister in Salem. The girl's odd behavior included making strange noises and screaming, contorting their bodies and throwing objects. 
they reported feeling biting and pinching from an invisible being. Within a short time, 11-year-old Anne Putnam and other girls in Salem began acting similarly. After traditional remedies and prayers failed in the Paris household to cure the girls, the doctor was called, likely Dr. William Greggs. According to the doctor's diagnosis, there was nothing physically wrong with the girls. Their behaviour was caused by supernatural forces and were under an evil hand. However, it is worth noting that there was only one doctor in Salem Village. He'd only moved there a week before and lived with his wife and niece, Elizabeth Hubbard. February 26 saw the first three people accused and arrested for allegedly afflicting Betty Paris, Abigail Williams, Anne Putnam Jr and Elizabeth Hubbard, the doctor's niece. The women accused were Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne and Tituba. Several historians believe that Anne Putnam Jr's accusations suggest that the witch trials may have been sparked by a family feud. Now that may sound far-fetched, but there was a vicious rivalry between the Putnam and Porter families at the time, which deeply divided Salem citizens. The rivalries often resulted in heated debates between citizens, even eventually escalating into full-blown fighting. Sarah Good was a penniless and pregnant woman with a young daughter accused of witchcraft because of her reputation. At her trial, she was accused of rejecting Puritan ideals of self-control and discipline by tormenting and scorning children rather than leading them towards salvation. Sarah Osborne, who rarely attended church meetings and was suing the family of one of her accusers. She was accused of witchcraft because the Puritans believed that she had her own self-interest in mind. She was involved with conflicts around inheriting property and also had married to a local scandal, an indentured servant. Tituba, an enslaved woman in Betty Paris's home, known only by her first name, likely became a target because of her ethnic differences. None of the ladies were likely to have many local defenders against such accusations. Tituba was accused of attracting girls like Abigail and Betty with stories of enchantment from Malleus Maleficarum, also known as the Hammer of Witches. These tales about sexual encounters with demons, swaying the minds of men and fortune-telling were said to stimulate the imagination of the girls and made Tituba an obvious target. Brought before the local magistrates, on the complaint of witchcraft, they were interrogated for several days starting on March 1st, 1692, then sent to jail. But unlike Osborne and Good, Tituba admitted to afflicting the girls after initially denying, having quoted, The devil came to me and bid me serve him, and said that Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne had forced her. But then again, it is worth mentioning that some believe Tituba was forced to confess and therefore fabricated her testimony. Either way, her testimony was the longest testimony in the entire Salem witch trials. Because you know, if you're dealt a bum deal, play the best you can, I guess. Her testimony included eerie animals like red cats, yellow birds, black dogs, but she didn't stop there. Tituba also added that there were other witches in Salem seeking to harm the Puritans. With this shocking confession, the trials and accusations only accelerated, as now the Puritans were on a mission. 
Along with throwing everyone under the bus, Titipa claimed to go blind for a moment, claiming that the devil was punishing her for speaking so candidly about him. But this showed she was at least trying to fight him. Titipa spent 15 months in jail. She was not indicted, and she was the very last person to be released. Sarah Osborne died in prison, while Sarah Good's second husband turned against her in court, testifying that she was a witch, or would be one very quickly. Good's four-year-old daughter was imprisoned and eventually gave testimony against her mother. I can only imagine the torture her tiny soul endured before sending her mother to her death. Good gave birth in jail. Her baby tragically died, and she was convicted and hanged shortly thereafter. The court accepted all kinds of questionable evidence, including so-called spectral evidence, in which the girls began raving when supposedly touched by invisible ghosts. Complicating matters further, many of the jurors in the trial were relatives of the accusers compromising their objectivity. Those who dared to speak out, such as Judge Nathaniel Saltonstall, came under suspicion. Bridget Bishop, an elder woman thought of as an immoral gossip, and now on her third accusation, was found guilty of witchcraft. Nathaniel Saltonstall resigned from the court, possibly because the court pronounced a death sentence on Bridget Bishop. She was the first to be executed in the Salem witch trials. In March, the 71-year-old Rebecca Nurse, a respected church member and part of the community, was accused of witchcraft by Abigail Williams. In June, she was tried and found not guilty, but when accusers and spectators protested loudly, the court asked them to reconsider the verdict. Sadly, they did and found her guilty. Apparently, on reviewing the evidence, she had failed to answer one question put to her. But many think this was because the poor old woman was nearly deaf. She too was condemned to hang. Between the months of July and September 1692, 18 more people were found guilty and executed. This included four men, which was a rare occurrence in witch trials of the past. One of those men was George Burroughs, a Harvard-educated minister who was accused by other alleged witches from Andover of being their mastermind. The claims made in court against Burroughs ranged from bizarre to mind-boggling. One claim was that Burroughs was biting the accused as they were given their testimony. The bite marks allegedly matched up with Burroughs' teeth. This would actually be the first time in what would become the United States that bite marks were used as evidence to solve a crime. Many people in the court, not just the accusers, claimed to see the spirits of Burroughs' deceased wives, coloured as red as blood, looking for justice to be served. And by far my favourite accusation from the lucky bag of crazy prizes is the claim that Burroughs had the use of an invisibility cloak given to him by the devil himself. This accusation came from the Chief Justice. Sadly, what we consider crazy behaviour today still led to Burroughs being executed. But not before he made a very emotional speech and recited the Lord's Prayer without making any mistakes. It was believed at the time that witches were unable to recite the Lord's Prayer. This cast a shadow over the now dubious crowd that gathered to watch his execution, but it went ahead nevertheless. By this time, accusations were starting to spread beyond Salem to neighbouring communities, and even the most powerful figures were targets. 
A blessing, I suppose, came when Increase Matter, a Puritan minister, implored the court not to consider spectral evidence in the trials. The timing may have been a bit coincidental, as this new recommendation came on the heels of Governor Phipps' wife being brought in for interrogation. Just to recap, Governor Phipps was the man who created the infamous court of Oyer and Terminer. After Increase Matters' recommendation, Phipps released some of the people jailed for witchcraft, and no further arrests were made. They replaced the court of Oyer and Terminer with the Supreme Court of Judicature, which didn't consider testimonies of spectral evidence. Probably one of the strangest things I've learnt that I never knew was the age of the accusers. They were all women between 9 and 20 years of age. An unusual fact considering history would have us believe that it was generally men accusing women of witchcraft. It is important to note that not one person who was executed ever admitted to being a witch or being involved in witchcraft. And not one person who was executed was given a proper burial. Instead, they now lay in unmarked graves somewhere in the area but no one knows where for sure. Some believe it's on Gallows Hill as it has a reputation for being extremely haunted. There are some theories that do the rounds at history lover dinner parties, if those aren't a thing they really should be. One theory comes from Emily Oster, a Harvard PhD student. She points to the economic explanation. In her view, the Little Ice Age that lasted between 1550 and 1800 and intensified between 1680 and 1730 led to economic hardships that led to people blaming one another for each other's problems. Another theory comes from Linda Caporeal, a behavioural scientist. She believes that the afflicted girls could have been exposed to a kind of fungus called ergot. It can be found in grains like rye and can cause convulsive ergotism. The effects include hallucinations, which are apparently similar to that of LSD, muscle contractions that resemble seizures, vertigo and crawling and tingling sensations. However, the girls showed no other visible signs of the illness, which include disintegrating fingertips. And the last theory is sadly just plain old mass hysteria played a part in the witch trials. The word hysteria is used throughout most descriptions of the Salem witch trials, the main aim while writing this episode was to learn about the witches of Salem and how no matter their intentions among their neighbours, be it good or bad, they were all executed. But I have learned nothing about the witches of Salem because there were no witches in Salem. What I did learn is that a neighbour turning against a neighbour is a practice as old as the hills. And I can now take a guess at what point in history children were taken less seriously how a whole town of adults accepted wild accusations by children as hard evidence I will never understand. I learned the dangers of groupthink. Yes, that's a thing. It's a psychological phenomenon that occurs within a group of people in which the desire for harmony and conformity in a group results in irrational or dysfunctional decision-making outcome and how the power of fear can manipulate people's perception. The only person I have a teeny tiny suspicion about is Sarah Good. Sarah Good cursed the presiding clergyman, Nicholas Noyes from the gallows, reportedly saying, if you take my life, God will give you blood to drink. Years later, Noyes died unexpectedly, hemorrhaging from his mouth. What do you think of that story? 
That's a good story. That was very long. I didn't realise how much I put into it. This should never have happened, Stephen. Uh, it's the girls, the 90-20 the year olds. Just put a group of 90-20 year olds, senior, uh, not senior infants, yeah. <laughs> secondary school, you know, doing a leave insert, that kind of age. They're all bundled into one town. Mm. It's quite cold, apparently. Mm. Nothing's going well for them. Ah, it's second you said this false. Ah, shush. Instead of calling her, just think of all the names that they were called, they called each other now. Ah, yeah. G-bag. Can I say that on the radio? No, not no. really. <laughs> ah, ah, yeah, scoundrel. Ah, yeah. Shut up, you witch. Oh, but that hanger. seemed to be that seemed to be the general accusation so, for anyone who did something that they shouldn't have done. I think if you pissed off any of the girls of that age group that had a, a bit of an anger issue, they said, ah, sure, look, I won't kill you, but I know how to get you dead. I'm so mad at you right now. Why? I even gave you the the drugs theory. Oh, it was obviously drugs. It was definitely drugs. I think, because I'm trying to... The group thing thing really threw me. I didn't know that that was an actual thing. Like, I know mob mentality is a thing, but that's not what this is. Whereas group think is when you all have what you think are the same goals for the good, the basically like nice boards. So can we all conform to just be a hive mind and all work for the same common goals and and then somehow I don't know where it all went wrong. It's so cult work. But that there's nothing in this that is justifiable. A bunch of kids turning around going, Yeah, see a one over there who's really struggling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet you she's on the scratcher, she must be a witch. That's all I hear. Your one Sarah was pregnant with a four year old and they interrogated and I I dread to think but she was pregnant and also had a four-year-old. She was pregnant, she penniless, and had a four-year-old. Okay, she wasn't pregnant with a four-year-old, as in there's a baby inside <laughs> that's four years old. No, she had a four-year-old, she was pregnant, and she was on her second husband. But her second husband, I, I wrote it down here, indentured servitude is a form of labour in which a person is contracted to work out or work without salary for a specific number of years. But I think it was also something you could class as an apprenticeship. I don't think his was an apprenticeship. I think his was because he was very naughty. But there was this huge scandal because she married him. And I'm like, okay, guys, can we calm down there for a second? She is a a single mum. She is allowed to remarry. But because she already has a kid and men back then were like, Right, she's no dowry and she has baggage. I don't want her. She had slim pickings, okay? She had to be with somebody. It was probably someone she loved. Yeah. And then he threw her under the bus. He didn't just throw her under the bus. He was driving the bus. He said she is likely the bus a witch. Is in <laughs> okay, so the tram or the trolley or with the what were they called? Horse and Horse and cart. But he was like, yeah, she's a witch, or she would likely be one quickly. I'm like, oh. Oh, I swear, I hope nobody believes you because when I get home, I'm going to be back here for a completely different reason because I'm going to kill you. Mm. I would be annoyed. So have you any characters for me? Yeah, Caddy Bates for everybody. So uh, just have to change your outfit a couple of times just, just and like, you know, hair up and then hair down and then hair and pigtails. Mm-hmm. Mm, absolutely. Uh, but in all seriousness, the, the three obvious choices are Sarah Jessica Parker, Bette Midler and Cathy. Very good. Very good. Uh, is it Cathy Jimmy? I think is her name. I I actually think Bette Midler and Cathy Bates could have like a witch off. I could I could picture the two of them having a bit of a spellbound kind of thing going on. Just macabre six. <laughs> now I have um oh I was a contenders ready where they used to stand on the two podiums and they used to have like the things that kind of look like. Mm-hmm. 
um, cotton buds. Yeah, yes, that's yeah. the one. In super enlarged blue and red cotton buds. <laughs> oh, the 90s. The 90s. Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, Chinese sitting down to watch that. On the floor, of course. Oh, oh the, where else were you eating? Like, <laughs> we were kids. Where else were we supposed uh, to sit? Yeah, but that's because I got actual space on the floor. <laughs> and then and then you'd follow, you'd hear the, the intro to Casualty. Yeah, I don't think I lived in the same world that you did. Uh, George Burroughs, I am thinking, uh, Jonathan Price, he played Kira Knightley's dad in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Uh, basically, without his fancy hat and his, his curly-whirly hair, I actually think even the period clothing would be quite nice. Um, because George Burroughs was actually a really respected man. Um, so how he ended up there, I do not know. Um, so after he was executed, he was exonerated by the state and his children were compensated for wrongful execution. Oh, I love you, Told you, he was he was a very affluential man, and so many people signed a petition to have like so many people freed, and they just weren't listening. It was just absolutely crazy. Would you like to know the rabbit hole I fell down this? That slapping isn't a hit for everybody at home. I'm yeah, excited. It's relevant, so I do apologise. I know you like it when I go yeah. on a tangent, but I was thinking, how in the name of God did this happen? Why is everybody so stupid? And then I went down the route of. What are some really weird laws that are still relevant today, like that are in place today, as of 2022? Let me, let me have them. The first one here, I thought it was really cute, uh, until I read the prison sentence that comes with it. Don't cut the cactus, at least in Arizona, um, because it's illegal to do so. Offenders can be sentenced to 25 years in prison. Nope. <laughs> uh, apparently in Australia, 50 kgs of spuds is the maximum that you are allowed to buy in one particular, it's not even one particular purchase, it's the most amount that you can actually possess. Uh, belly dancing in Egypt is only for ladies. It is illegal for men to belly dance. Uh, but I, I understand that. It's equal opportunities, you, you know. Okay. I'm okay. just saying. You're dead right. You're dead right. Uh, the underwear rope. It is legally required that everyone must wear underwear when leaving their house in Thailand. I also found out as well, it is illegal to drive topless in Thailand. Is there a thing about people wanting to be naked in Thailand that I don't know about? Eh, just to get all the sleazy tourists to visit. <laughs> uh, Madagascar has a hat rule. Uh, it's really weird. Pregnant women in Madagascar are not permitted to wear hats, which makes no sense because Mad- Madagascar is like hot as hell, isn't it? It's warm, yeah. So why would you not be allowed to wear a hat? Oh, uh, maybe it's just... The only thing I know from Madagascar is that crazy monkey. <laughs> crazy monkey lives there. <laughs> now, this is going to sound very pointed. I am not totally going against the United States here, but I did get an alphabetized list, so I had to go with it. Um, you are not permitted to open an umbrella on a street in Alabama. Okay, yeah. Flamingos are not allowed in barbershops in Alaska. Yeah, well, they cause absolute ruckus. Why? I don't know. I'm making stuff up. <laughs> It is illegal to eat fried chicken anyway, but with your hands in Georgia. Well, it should be if it's not. I have a friend who physically cannot eat with his hands. He has to eat with an knife and fork. That makes sense. <laughs> it is illegal to catch a fish with your bare hands in Kansas. I have to be honest though, if I could find a person who could, who could catch a fish with their bare hands, I would be quite impressed. The next one there is Christmas decorations must not be up past January 14th in Maine. That should go over everywhere. <laughs> so we got married at the very beginning of December, so the new rule now, which Stephen is not compliant with whatsoever, but now we have kids, he's a little bit softer. We put our decorations up on the anniversary of our wedding and he has to like it whether 
he likes it or not because we have babies now and they like sparkly lights. Uh, the next one there is drivers must not pump their own gas in Oregon. When we went to visit Crumlin Road Jail up north and we came home, that's probably the first time in about 10 years somebody else pumped my gas. They have it as a law that you're not allowed and I thought it was an absolute privilege that I just got to walk into the shop and yeah. tell a man I need this much diesel please thank you very much I'm gonna go buy an ice cream it was brilliant I thought that was great um, the next one there is it is prohibited to catch a fish using a lasso in Tennessee no I see I see the reason behind it. <laughs> but again I would be really impressed if somebody could uh, in Utah drinking milk is mandatory okay now is it do you have to consistently carry milk around with you and just be sipping on it all day or do you just have to have like, just do people go around and go, hey, have you have you drank milk today? Let me, let me smell your cheese bread. I don't know. But to the US, it's really weird to sit and drink a glass of milk. They think it's no, disgusting. The farmers, they wanted people to, to buy their milk. So they said, you have to buy our milk. To us, we'd have a glass of milk with our with our cereal, or a glass of milk with our toast, or a glass of milk because we can't have, sleep. I was going to say, I'm going to have a glass of three o'clock this morning. Uh, my last one here is, it is prohibited prohibited to harass Bigfoot in Washington. So one, if anyone ever wondered where he was, that's where he is. And I also found out in Washington, and I'm not picking on Washington, it is illegal to drive through Washington if you have illegal intentions. So if you have illegal intentions and you need to drive through the state of Washington, sorry, it's not the state of Washington, it's Washington, Washington DC, yeah. you have to alert the the police that you have ill intent and you need to drive through Washington. Yeah, sure, makes sense, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's the rabbit hole I fell down this week. That's a nice rabbit hole. Have you any questions for me? No. Will we wrap it up? Wrap it up? No, 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 we did this, you did this last time and you didn't say the thing that you're supposed to say. So I'll say your words. <laughs> say my words. Say your words. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you have any questions regarding this or any other episodes, you can DM us on our Instagram. It's What's the Story Ghost. I will include all the links of the research I did for this episode in the description. If you have any recommendations or a personal story you would like to share with us, our email is what's the story ghost at gmail.com. And those are all my words. Thanks for jingle. Thanks for jingle. That was that was really bad. If you know what if you know what it is, DM us. You'll win our respect. Bye. Bye.